Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox's Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. My name is Pete Selby and on the other end of the line is Mr Rob Hayes for this transfer summer special type catch-up. Hello, how you doing? What have you been up to? Chat. I've forgotten what your voice sounded like, Pete. It is lovely to hear it in my ears again. <laughs> uh, you are the only person on earth to have ever said that, ever, and probably will do. Well, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to sitting and chatting to you for the next half hour, 40 minutes or so, because we've got lots of good stuff to chat about. Potentially good stuff. Potentially, because everything's potential, apart from one player, and that's Yuri Tillemans, because we know how good he is. We know that he can perform in the Premier League. We know he fits into this team. And we know now that he's signed as a full-time Leicester City player in a Woo-hoo! £40 million deal, roughly. However, that equates in terms of signing on and in terms of bonuses or whatever. Who cares? He is now a Leicester player. And I think it's the biggest signing of all time. In terms of money, that's obvious. £40 million on a player is just is ridiculous for Leicester. But there we go. But for me, it's the biggest signing that the club's ever made um, because it's a statement in terms of cash money. It's a statement in terms of a player who we know is of a level which we said at the end of last season he is a step above anyone else that we've got, maybe apart from Vardy, but in that specialist position of a centre-forward, it's it's slightly different. But he is that player who, if he turned up for a signing in the top four, then you would just nod your head and go, well, of course, because they've got very good players. He, he, he is that just step up. It's a real sign that Leicester are now progressing towards the top six. It's a sign that we've probably outbid and outfought for this player from a number of other clubs in Europe and the top end of the Premier League. It's the most exciting signing we've ever had. And again, it's the one signing of the two that we're probably going to talk about, or three, that pretty much is the safest because we know how good he is. Yeah, it's huge on every level that you've just explained there. It's, uh, it is it is a real sign that we are not just talking about going in the right direction. We're actually making the right moves to do that. We talk on the podcast quite a lot about the progress that Leicester are making as a club, but Yuri Tillemans put himself in the Premier League shop window in the 13 games that he played for us in his loan Front and centre of the shop window. Yeah, four assists, three goals. Basically, um, I've been frozen out at Monaco. Here I am on the biggest stage in the world, performing very well for the majority of the time. I can't sit here and say that he, that he was like an absolute world beater every second of every game because there were times when he was blowing and there were times when he was um, swept up by the physicality of the Premier League. But he's 22 and he's played 13 games in the Premier League. He will only get better. But he put himself in the window 
especially for the likes of Manchester United, who are not expected to be anywhere near the title race for the next couple of seasons. Somebody like Tielemans, who has proven already they could do it in the Premier League, would be available at a fraction of the price of some of the players that they've been th- uh, rumoured to be throwing money towards, would have been an ideal signing for him. And, and I think that is a massive sign of how far we've come. But it proves the fact that, that the other side of Leicester City, the family club, the one where everybody is welcome, players, staff, fans, the lot, has a huge impact. Because I you could tell straight away from when Tielemans started playing for us that he was enjoying himself at the club. And he said that again in his um, press conference after the news was made official today, that, it, um, that, that being part of Leicester feels special and he's felt welcome here from, since day one. A lot of players will churn out that kind of rubbish to get on the right side of the fans, but I genuinely think that's how he feels. So that's massive credit to the club for going out, putting their money where their mouth is, getting a player of the calibre that can take us on to the next level, but also for making him part of the family from the start. Because if he, if that hadn't if that feeling hadn't been put across to him, this deal probably wouldn't have got over the line because I bet his agent had several different deals to to be sorted out on the table. So I think it's massive credit to the club from that point of view as well. From a nasty, evil agent of a football player or maybe a number angle and completely destroying someone who I have no idea who it is, whether he has an agent or not, whether it's his, his dad or his brother, whoever. Um, you would imagine, if I was a, a football agent, I would probably be pushing for a United or a Liverpool or whoever in world football who would be interested in Yuri Tillemans. At the back of my list would probably be Leicester. Yes, the player's going to be happy there, but for an agent, he could probably earn more money elsewhere and be at a bigger club. Like United, prime example. First of all, what are they doing by not really going for him in a in a big, big way? There was rumours that he was interested in a lot of clubs, but no one, by the sounds of things, well, I don't think these things come out in the wash, but whether someone went big time for him, possibly not, we'll, we'll see. But um, a tremendous signing, absolutely fantastic. It's another sign that the club were very serious when they got Brendan in as manager. They obviously promised him a lot of money. He spent plenty of that already. How the books are going to be balanced, if they are, we don't know. But this signing, this this is this is the one for me. He's a he's a must in any fancy football team. He is the missing link, and I think a lot of credit has to go, as it normally does at Leicester, when a manager leaves and then after six months or a year it takes time to settle and then you look back on their reign and because the person's not there and all the criticism that is labelled at the manager and at the team at the time, because that's dissipated because the manager's left, time's a great healer and you look back and you go, well done Claude Puel for bringing him on loan. The link that he had to Monaco, the link that he had with probably still members of the Monaco backroom staff or maybe even the hierarchy to get Yuri Tillemans at the club, a great deal of thanks has to go down to Claude Puel. And maybe in years to come, we will look back at the Claude Puel era at the football club and the number one thing from that will be he is the man who bought Yuri Tillemans to Leicester originally. That could be his legacy and, and fingers crossed it is because if that's the case, it means that Yuri Tillemans will have a, a successful career if we're going to look back on it 
in that way. So I think a lot of credit has to go that way. But it, it's just, it's so exciting. Transfers we know, they can be hit, they can be missed. Some players can come with a massive reputation, others are unknown. Some players have done it at a certain level, even Premier League level sometimes, and they turn up at Leicester and they don't work out. So we don't know. A lot of criticism in the past, some of it very, very rightly so, some of it massively off the mark, has been labelled at the likes of John Rudkin. At the moment, he's in what I believe a bit of a purple patch for the last few years because some of the signings have really worked out and a, a lot of the players that have been signed have been a unanimous nod of the head in an agreement. In any club, you're going to get one or two, maybe even more. What the hit ratio is, God only knows. But I think he's played an absolute blinder with this and with our other signing, Iosi Perez. Yeah, I think... Um, you would struggle to find any Leicester fan um, or m- many football fans in the country, really, who think that this is a bad deal. £40 million is a lot less than I would have um, put our ceiling at as well. I'd have been happy to pay 50 60 million. I know it's a club record for us, and that sounds like silly money for Leicester City, but £40 million in today's market for a man who has played 23 games for Belgium, over 250 career appearances already at the age of 22, has proven that he can fit in into the Leicester City team already, has proven that he can play Premier League football. £40 a bit of a snip, really, and, and it's one of the least risky yet boldest transfers you're likely to see this summer in terms of the statement that it makes for us. But from a, we're talking there from um, lots of different perspectives, but just quickly on a footballing perspective before we do move on to Iosi Perez, I think we'd have really struggled to transition into the brand of football that, that Leicester fans want to see and that Brendan Rodgers wants to employ at Leicester City without signing Yuri Tielemans. Because I know we touched on this in previous podcasts when we were talking about how necessary it was to make him a permanent signing. But we basically said, if you don't get Yuri Tielemans, you've almost got to go back to the drawing board. You've got to look around Europe's biggest leagues for a, a similar player who's got similar technical ability, who is of a similar age where they're coming into their own, but they've still got years of potential and, and progression to come. And there are very, very few players like Yuri Tielemans on the market at the moment. Um, so to get one that we already know, the one that we already know, at £40 million from a footballing perspective is huge because let's say we didn't sign him and we then struggled to find the right kind of central midfielder um, needed because we've established uh, that Mendy and Ndidi, unless you're absolutely backs to the wall, getting bodies behind the ball against a world-class team, you don't need both of them in the centre of midfield, nor can you um, have both of them if you want to transition quickly through the middle third. Um, who who else would there be at the club if you couldn't find anyone to sign? You would po- possibly have ended up thinking, right, OK, well, we've got to give Adrian Silva another chance because he's the only kind of player similar to Tielemans at the club in that he is a technically minded central midfielder and you'd have just been filling slightly square holes with round pegs you know so Yuri Tielemans was a must this season for uh, this summer rather for so many reasons but purely from a footballing one we need him 
to take our football to the next level, to enable us to play football through midfield, something that we haven't done since way before we won the Premier League title, something that we've rarely done as a club historically anyway. So in in terms of the scale of the signing, it's a brand of football you're unlikely to have seen much of, however old you are as a Leicester fan. Um, and that in itself is very exciting. And it means that Brendan Rodgers, who's already started to bring in his way of playing, knows that he's got a player in that central midfield role that he can trust to... I'm not saying build the team around. I'm not I'm not saying it's a one-man team, but he's a hugely important cog in the system um, and in the tactical approach that Brendan Rodgers will want to employ. And also, just to follow on from a number of those points that you just made... It also gives the club the ability to have that player in the position that was needed and then also go and find someone else who can play in exactly the same position without the pressure of having to be a first-team player. They can bring in one or two players who are maybe around the 18, 90, 20-year-old mark and say, look, we've got Yuri Tillemans in the position that you're playing, but you are pretty much the next best in the squad. So come here, learn your football, enjoy your football, and then you can progress into the first team. It might be a fairly expensive signing, someone up to around twenty million in that role, knowing that they are part of a midfield. I don't think they're finished yet in that position. In terms of a, an, an attacking midfielder, playmaker role that Tillemans at the moment, I still think is pretty much the only player in the squad can fill that role that we have because of the struggles we had before he turned up. So it it, it gives the scouting network and the club a little bit of breathing space. I know it's £40 million worth, but do you get what I mean? They don't have to go and force a signing through to fill that hole. And uh, and also, and this is what's happened for years and years and years with big clubs. And something that I've been annoyed about for a long time is when a player moves from club A to top six club and they instantly, even without playing... They get called up into the England squad and you go, well, hang on, what happened the year before when they were playing really well for their club and they never got a look in? I don't think that's the case now with with Gareth Southgate in England. I think that uh, era has changed, thankfully. But what generally happens is that within a few weeks, that player is then valued at all sorts of weird and wonderful numbers when they weren't, when they originally moved. 40 million for Tillemans. I completely agree. I would have paid up to 60 million pounds for him because of the the need that we have, and we know that it's a great fit. But also, this guy's worth more than £40 million in the current era of extraordinary transfer fees. Right now, if he starts to play, and fingers crossed he does, as well as he did last season at the start of the season, I can see he'll be linked with the big, big clubs in the Premier League, and it will cost an absolute arm and a leg for him. You'll be upwards towards three figures, which sounds extraordinary, but that's just how how football works. We'll talk about Maguire in a bit and we never want to sell players, but if you do, you want to try and get the most amount of money for him. So it's a it's a landmark signing. I've never been so excited about a signing, which sounds crazy about a player that we've seen and we just felt so comfortable with. He seemed like he'd been playing for Leicester for years in terms of enjoyment and picking a pass. We've never seen a passer like him since Drinkwater, who I still think is a real possibility of a signing. Chuck a three few quid their way, see if Frank likes him or not, never mind. Here's a few quid, come and uh, be on the bench behind Tillemans and come on for him. 
as and when's needed. I, I, th- I still think it will be a perfect signing if he's not burnt any bridges at the club. But anyway, um, it, it just seems such a comfortable yet, for me, landmark signing. What a what a what a brilliant brilliant piece of business, and 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 the club have done extraordinarily well on that. Now we'll move on to Perez because. Um, first of all, I didn't know anything about the Perez deal until Jeff Peters tweeted um, from his DJ booth in Ibiza regarding the news. This deal, regardless of how well Jose Perez plays for Leicester, and that we don't know until it happens, this deal has to be one of the quietest under wraps deals that I can ever remember because it's happened and been signed and sealed and done pretty much all within around about six or seven hours of everything being leaked via Twitter, via via Jeff on Twitter. It it's it's one of the most hushed up modern transfers for a big fee, not on transfer deadline day, that's ever been. Yeah, I was I was about to say it in the this day and age where me the media is so rife, you know, people if some if one member of the public spots a certain player going in a certain club, it it's it's snapped and it's sent straight to um, social media sites. It goes viral and everybody knows about it within five minutes. And it, because everybody's so in touch um, these days, it, it makes it very difficult to keep these kind of transfers quiet. Um, it came completely out of the blue. I I saw it at exactly the same time as you, Pete, when Jeff Peters said. I obviously Perez having a medical at Leicester for a, a transfer for around thirty million pounds. I was like, whoa, where has that come from? It was um, completely out of the blue. Uh, I'd be interested actually before we talk more in more in depth about Iosi Perez. What your initial thoughts were when you first read that Iosi Perez was was about to sign on the dotted line for Leicester? Because I have to share with you the fact that I was a little bit underwhelmed until I actually thought about it. I'm talking about first impression. As soon as I read his name and I saw 30 million, I was like, okay. Yeah, what did you I think? completely agree. I, I was the same. We all saw the goal against Newcastle, against us for Newcastle, brilliant header. And he always does score on both ends, really, um, against Leicester. But it was a bit of a, all right, okay, where's that come from? That's a bit odd, but... There you go, and and it was rumored to be about sixteen million. The, the the fee itself is, I think there's a there's a lot of ifs and buts and maybes with this fee. I don't believe for a second it's thirty thirty million upfront. Um, one of the reports uh, that came out was that it would be around sixteen million upfront, and then fourteen million in add-ons. Probably fairly swiftly. You, I don't think you're talking many. You know, maybe twenty games, thirty games, forty games, um, a few million here, there, and it will be quickly up to around thirty. But um, I don't believe that they've paid that straight up cash money. There we go. I do agree. I, I, it was initially a signing or a, a player where I, I kind of a bit of a frown to go. Okay, in exactly the same way, and hopefully it turns out the way. Um, of of my former favourite player of all time, Frank Sinclair, who when he signed for for Leicester from Chelsea, I I couldn't believe it. What a waste of money on a guy. Oh, he's terrible. Oh, not not this guy who's a bit of a clown at, at at Chelsea, and he turned out to be you know my favourite player at the time, um, Super Frank. But hopefully this works out the same way. Not maybe the own goals, but I completely agree. The more you look at at it though, 
in terms of his position on the field, he can play up front, he can play in any pretty much position behind Jamie Vardy. He could easily slot into the the position immediately behind him. He could play out wide. He seems like a very versatile forward who a number of the reports from when he was being signed and from when he was initially linked, which was only a few hours before he actually was announced, as we just said, um, there was a number of people, including a few journalists who follow over in Spain, who were very, very impressed that Leicester have got him. I think there was massive rumours about him going to Spain and there was a few eyebrows raised because I think there seems to be an impression from Spain that this guy's a very, very good player and he's been performing well at Newcastle, but actually he's very, very highly rated um, over on the continent and he would have got a move to a, like a Valencia, etc. And he was expected to really progress from there. So hopefully that's the case at Leicester. Yeah, since I've taken a little step back from it, it didn't take me long. I wasn't sitting there for days and days grumbling about it. I mean, let's face it, it only happened four days ago. But you, you sort of take a look back at it and you think, OK, well, uh, my first thought was how well did he do last season? And he bagged 12 goals, which in a Newcastle side that for a long while, uh, nobody was really sure whether they were going to survive again um, under Rafa Benitez. Uh, and a side that were very much there, especially away from home, to park the bus and be difficult to beat, simply because they didn't have the quality of player to go out and beat teams um, on many occasions. Um, and then I looked at his wider record, and in five seasons at Newcastle, he's played nearly 200 games and scored nearly 50 goals. So that's a record of one in four, which is not bad at all when you consider that he's he's not always the main striker. And he is, in terms of his position... Uh, a very, very useful player to have when you're a club like Leicester that's got a player like Jamie Vardy. Because look at somebody like Kelechi Iheanacho, for instance. If Vardy wasn't at the club or if he'd got injured for a long period of time or something, I think Iheanacho would be much more highly regarded amongst the Leicester supporters because they'd have seen him playing through the middle on the shoulder of the last man, week in, week out. And I've got no doubt whatsoever he would have started scoring goals. But the fact that he can only play in that position, and Vardy's been pretty much fit, clean bill of health f- throughout most of his uh, uh, the time that Kelechi Iheanacho has been at the club, and every manager and every system we've had has only had one striker. It means that Iheanacho has not really had that chance. But Perez isn't the kind of player that only needs to play in the number nine role. He can very easily play in the number 10 role, um, and I get the feeling that he strikes me as quite an honest and hardworking player. So you could even use him in the wide roles as a wide midfielder, um, sort of getting up and down the, the flanks as well. So he gives you real options across the front. And even if you wanted to play something like a 4-3-3 in future, um, then or 3-4-3, three, three, you could play as one of the wide forwards. You know, he's very versatile whilst being effective in all of those positions. You know, you think of versatile players and you think, oh, um, jack of all trades, master of none. But he really does get goals from wherever on the pitch he's playing. Um, A lot of the time, Newcastle played, what, a 5-4-1 with Rondon as the striker and Perez trying to support him from a wide position. So he's proven that he can play in whatever position across the front that you need him to. Um, And... Nobody was really talking about him. We were all thinking, well, if you're going to get a striker from Newcastle, you're going to get Salomon Rondon because, you know, big man, plan B, 
But Rondon would have gone exactly the same way as Kelechi Iheanacho. I can almost guarantee that because he wouldn't have got in the starting lineup instead of Vardy. He would very rarely have got in the starting lineup alongside Vardy. And he's very effective, but he's a one-trick pony, whereas Perez can come in and could do a lot of jobs. Um, and he's only 25, and he's had five seasons in the Premier League. And Rodgers has said he's he's a man sort of coming into his peak. So Perez has got more to give. He's got bags of Premier League experience. One in one goal in every four games is not a bad strike rate at all. So when you look at it from that point of view, it's actually a very very good signing. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it might prove to be. I hope it is. And I I still believe the fact that he's played at Newcastle for so long, and he's been. I'm not going to say the big fish, big fish in a small pond, but he's not really had an elite level team around him like he will do at Leicester. This is a real step up in quality, a massive step up, I would say, in terms of all-round ability. If you look at how Newcastle have done, it's mainly down to the organisation and defensive work of the side, pretty much down to their manager, Rafa Benitez, or former manager, should I say. So being surrounded by better players, I think hopefully will bring out a better player in Perez. I think that's the the one of the main reasons they've signed him and, and all the stuff I've just said about about the Spanish link and a lot of people thinking this guy is actually a very good player but because he's been at Newcastle he's only been able to show glimpses of what he can do which one in four really does suggest. So hopefully that's the case and again we will wait and see and we'll hope he turns out to be a good player and it's another flair player going forward that we really do need it's put pressure on the likes of Barnes and Gray and Madison and these players who have got a lot of potential but we're signing a guy who is 25 and has played Premier League football for a while and we've spent a lot of money on them so this is um, a kick in the backside for them to say come on you know if you're not going to be right up to scratch every week. We, we will sign players and spend money in your position. So it's a it's a watching brief with Perez, but the more you think about it, the more I like it. It's, again, another player who has the experience in the Premier League and should be a ready-made player for, for Leicester. Unlike the third signing and the first of the season, um, at fullback, and this has been going on for a while, it was always going to be the case that um, he was going to sign from um, from Luton, James Justin, uh, a right back who's played left back all last season. Uh, he looks like a big lad, broad shoulders. Um, a friend at work who's a big Luton fan, he's been talking about him saying, yeah, really good player, seems a good egg on the pitch, really enthusiastic, good at going forward. Uh, he can play on both sides, as I mentioned, and just looks a real prospect for the future. And we've not paid an awful lot of money in terms of transfer fee and it just looks like a, a good signing for the club yeah I think so on the pitch he looks um physically good um and I think he he's been converted from sort of central midfield so technically he's going to be all right on the ball as well obviously he's not played in the championship yet it's a bit of a jump back-to-back promotions with Luton who will be playing championship football next season but obviously he'll be part of the Leicester squad instead but I think it's um, more about his mentality as well because he's only 21. He's done things differently to a lot of young players in the sense that he has um, got his experience and got his professional appearances under his belt at a lower league club. He's made over 100 professional appearances already, which at 21 is is decent. Um, But he's played in the same... England setup as someone like Darnell Johnson, who is in Leicester's under 23s development squad at the minute. 
but you look at Darnell Johnson, he's been on a couple of loan spells here and there, but for Justin to have been playing week in, week out for a good couple of years already, surely would put him ahead of somebody like Johnson in terms of in in terms of how much you trust them in a Premier League side. So I think those people that are sort of turning the nose up saying, oh, he's a League One footballer coming to a Premier League club um, should really sort of look at it from, approach it from that angle. They've, he knows Darnell Johnson. They've played in the England under-20s together. And I think lots of Leicester fans would advocate somebody like Johnson getting a few games next season as a backup right-back or backup centre-back. You know, he can play in both. So to get just uh, to get Justin in, um, like you say, not spent an awful lot of money, few other clubs sniffing around because he looks a really good prospect is excellent. And me- mentality wise, you know, I was I was keen to read up about him because we've heard of Perez, we've heard of Tielemans, but I sort of read around the, the signing of Justin and, you know, his youth coaches at Luton have always said the the overriding thing about him, yes, physically and technically he's good, but the overriding thing about him has been his mentality. And, and I think that alone means that the step up to Premier League football won't phase him. Is he going to play an awful lot? Probably not, because, you know, you're expecting Daniel Amati to come back into contention at some point this season. You'd say that our reserve left back at the moment, at this moment in time is Christian Fuchs. So it's sort of... Um, and no pressure signing for Justin and for Leicester, really. He can get in, he can get settled with the team, he can play a few League Cup fixtures, early doors, um, learn from our player of the season, Ricardo Pereira, learn from Christian Fuchs, a former international captain, um, and a player with bags of Champions League experience. And I think I don't I don't think there's any there are any negatives to the signing whatsoever. No, not at all. And he'll go, I presume, into the first team squad. I don't think it's going to be a development signing for the amount of money, and uh, and we'll see how he gets on. How that leaves Armatia, we'll have to wait and see. In fact, we'll have to wait and see on a number of players, the likes of King James, a lot of players who you would think would be possibly leaving, either through transfers or being released. Who knows? It's um, it's an interesting time. We're out on loan. We 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 have a a huge squad at the moment, and it will be trimmed down. But who that will be will depend on possibly who we sign as well so that's all to come and we haven't sold anyone when we won the league we sold through one way or, or another players wanted to go um release fees being made um bids being made that match the release clause in the contracts we released and N'Golo Kante to Chelsea the year after we released Danny Drinkwater and then it was Riyad Mahrez this year we haven't. There's always been one player leave Leicester at the end of the season for big money, and then all the signings that we've made have either balanced out or means that we've only spent a small, in theory, amount of money. And at the moment we're looking at a expenditure of of nearly eighty million pounds on the three players that we mentioned. But Harry Maguire is the big transfer fee and the big transfer story of the summer. Will he leave? I don't know. You don't know. No one knows, apart from him and, and maybe a few people at Leicester. I believe the bids have been made, and I've read in the press what everyone else has read, and it seems that bids have been made upwards of £70 million, and they've been turned down by the club, which is a very strange thing to say for a centre-half. One question, Rob. Do you think Harry Maguire will be at Leicester at the start of next season? Yes or no? You literally 
started that spiel with, I don't know if he'll be at the club next season. You don't know if he'll be at the club next season. Only person who knows is Harry Maguire. And then you ask me the question. Um, will Harry Maguire be at the club next season? Well, I, I gave you the opportunity to say yes or no. With And if it becomes true or false, it doesn't matter because we don't know. We're only guessing. I'm going to say... I'll give you my yes or no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no as well. I, I think he will move. I think clubs will get... I won't say desperate, but they'll reach an agreement with Leicester, whether that means a player signing for Leicester from said club. But I can see a bid of £80-85 million being accepted by the club. Probably about £85 million is, is what is being rumoured that Leicester will accept for him. And I think when things are worked out, I can see the the, the deal being made. by. There was a, a, a rumour around a week ago that and it was from some fairly creditable sources as well that Harry had said to the um, hierarchy at Leicester that he would favour a move away. He's And it's already been well known that he doesn't want to hand a transfer request in. He wants to do things properly, but he also wants the chance uh, to possibly move on because of his increased state, uh, status as England's number one defender, only heightened by what happened in the Nations League. He is... England's number one centre-half. He's a figurehead of England fans. He's one of the most popular England players. And if you want to rebuild a defence and get the crowd on your side and reinvigorate a football club, I think Harry Maguire would be the perfect signing. If I was Manchester United, it would be the first player that I would have signed. I would have thrown any amount of money and said, here you go, here's probably the captaincy as well. We'll go from here and we'll build a new defence and go forward. I, I can see that happen and I can see him signing for United, especially with Rodri signing for City now for 60-odd million pounds. We will wait and see. But I think he will go. What Leicester do then will be very interesting indeed. Yeah, we're early days in the transfer market, really. I know we were getting a bit... Um... You know, a bit not worried, but concerned, mildly concerned that the Yuri Tielemans deal hadn't gone through. Um, just because the summer, that that bit between the last game of the season, well, probably the Champions League final, isn't it really? And then when the players come back to pre-season training, of they have as they have this week, that bit always seems really, really long. And unless a transfer has already been agreed or there are no real hitches with it, and it goes through nice and early. A lot of the business is rarely done at this end of the transfer window, whatever you may make of that. But I wouldn't be surprised if for the next week or two, everything goes a little bit quiet on the Maguire front. You know, the teams like Manchester United have said sort of roughly what they want to offer um, and Leicester have set their price and they look to be something around £20 million apart at the minute. Um so United will probably go away. They'll probably assess a few other options with Maguire still being top of their list. I mean, how could he not be for all of the reasons you've just stated there and more? Um, and then as it comes towards the end of the transfer window, when they realise they still haven't got a quality centre-back, but they can find a bit of £20 million loose change down the back of the sofa, then that money will be then stumped up or or provided in add-ons, as as you said about the Perez deal, is likely to have lots of different add-ons, etc. And I think 
you're right in the way that Maguire's stance is. He's not sitting here desperate to leave Leicester City, never going to pull on a blue shirt again. But he would welcome the opportunity, if the price was right for the club, to move to what what would be perceived as a bigger club, let's say. Um, but, you know, a deal going through today, like the Yuri Tielemans deal, and this, all the statements of intent that we have suggested that is, I think almost instantly sort of makes people look at Leicester as a slightly bigger club as they did than they did yesterday when we didn't have Yuri Tielemans. So maybe Maguire will have a bit of a rethink, I don't know. But look, I mean, if he goes, we've got Morgan Evans as the sort of two experienced players there. You've got Benkovic, who Brendan Rodgers knows Benkovic inside out. He took him on loan to Celtic. He, he knows exactly what kind of player he is. So he will know whether he's ready to play first-team football in the Premier League. And you've got Soyuncu, who we paid a fair whack of money for and who has looked all right in the games that he's played in. So, you know, it's not like if Maguire, if we held on till the end of the transfer window and then Maguire went, it's not like it had... And this sounds weird for a player that could go for a world record fee for a defender, but it's not like it would leave a massive hole. I know what you're saying with with the position on the field. It, it's, it, it is that, that sense now that because of the signings we've made... You want him to stay to go, look, here we go. This is the one, not the one chance, but this is a real chance to to properly kick on and be part of something. He's got his shirt for England because of his performances for Leicester and because of his move to Leicester. And I think he's very grateful of that. But I still think he, he, he will go. I, I, I kind of think that the move for Maguire would be similar to Perez in a in a way. <clears throat> I mentioned that Perez signed for Leicester and because he's been at the club for a while who have been at a lower level, maybe this is the chance now for him to shine brighter because he'll be surrounded by better players. And I've always said when people have not criticised Maguire, but when people have questioned the fee or questioned the amount that Leicester wants and whether he's worth it or not, I've always turned around and said, well, We've seen him week in, week out for Leicester, and we know what a good player he is. But when he's played for England, and when he's played for Leicester against really good sides, that's when Harry Maguire stands out. When he's at Old Trafford, and he's very comfortable with the ball, and he's passing the ball around, and he's looking like the commanding centre-half that we know, and he stands out slightly more. When he plays for England, and he's playing really well, you go, actually, this guy really is a real top player. Sometimes it doesn't... It, it doesn't show at Leicester in, in as, as much as it would do if he was in the the Champions League, for for example. And maybe that will be the case. And I've always said that with Maguire, if he does go to, to United, I think some people will then realise, actually, this guy is top quality in terms of his all-round game, not just getting his head on things. And hopefully that will be the case for, for Perez signing for Leicester. It's an awkward one. You never want to sell your best player. But, as I said, towards the end of the season, if it's one position in the club that we've actually got a lot of cover and a lot of possibility with the likes of Soyan Chu and Benkovic, then 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 there we go. And I think and I think Leicester fans are quite pragmatic. And I think if he does go for let's just say eighty five million pounds, because that's the, the latest figure that's been banded around by local journalists as well that Leicester would accept, that means that we are 
what, 20 plus million pounds in profit for an already very busy transfer window. And the likelihood of some big signings still coming in is increased no end in maybe other areas of the field that we need uh, more cover or we can improve on our first team. So it's not the biggest doom and gloom if Harry Maguire goes. And that sounds terrible because he is Harry Maguire. He's he's the most popular England player, I believe, out there. But he's also one of the most popular Leicester players because of what we've seen in the last couple of years. What a, what a fantastic signing. Another massive tick in the book for Rudkin, etc., getting ahead of the game and signing him under the noses of a number of clubs who maybe were slightly not forthcoming with signing him as much as Leicester were. Kind of remember when we signed Matt Elliott years ago. He was looked at by a number of big clubs a lot of times for a number of years and they all kind of went, no. When it came to the actual signing him, we went and, and, and got him and there was no real questions asked. And that's kind of what happened with Maguire. And if he goes, I think he'll go with the blessing of Leicester fans because of he'll be going to a huge club, but also he will be going for an awful lot of money that we can then look forward to being reinvested and probably then some as well. And uh, I think that's really where we stand on Maguire. It's 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 kind of a, a, a good thing both ways. If he, if he stays fantastic, and hopefully he does, but if he does go, we can expect plenty more big signings and probably more club records being broken. It's going to be an exciting few weeks, isn't it? The play, it's nice to see on in, on the social medias the players getting back involved in in training. Um, Rogers having a full pre season will be excellent, I think, for him to fully stamp his mark on the squad, bringing in the players that he wants to bring in. Everything is very, very rosy in the garden. Have we got any other business to attend to, Pete? Because uh, I'm moving house soon, so I've got to pack. I've got, to, I've got boxes everywhere. And, uh, not really. I've, I've, uh, I've got some tickets for the Cricket World Cup semi-final. Looking forward to that. I've just uh, got a text message through a minute ago about them, so that's good. Looking forward to that. Um, looking at trying to get to the Arc de Triomphe. That would be nice. Um, I've not been away. A lot of work, that sort of thing. But it's it's been it's been good. I've enjoyed the break. I've enjoyed the Women's World Cup. Shame about the semi-final. Very exciting. But I've really enjoyed watching the games. Been very good. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a, it's been a good summer, and it's been a great summer for us as a football club so far. Hopefully, it gets better. Um, we've been obviously quiet on the old uh, Twitter handle at FFS Pod because there's not really been a lot to say and we don't retweet every single piece of news going because half of it's rubbish and half of it people have seen before and there's no real point again we are we're not a rumor mill we we've said before if you are on twitter then do give us a follow but also if you're on twitter there are a number of people to follow jeff peters would be one i would also follow um john percy as well from the telegraph he seems to be incredibly accurate and also uh, with the latest news as well that seems to be ahead of the game on everyone else and they would be the two main ones um rob tanner's moving on for the mercury but i understand there's something still uh involved with leicester so i'd still follow him on twitter as well as uh, people in local radio etc and the football club but they would be the main ones rob dorsett as well from sky sports based around the midlands and very leicester centric as well they would be the ones that I would personally follow on on Twitter and uh, and take plenty of notice. 
Yeah, and please do share us with your friends. I know, as I say, we've been a bit quiet over the summer, and the likelihood is that the next time we do a podcast, Pete, I will no longer be a resident of Leicestershire for the first time in my entire life. So, um, exciting times this summer, on and off the pitch. But, yeah, people should stay in contact with us on, on the social medias. And, obviously, if you've got anything that you want us to discuss, anything you want to share with us, positive, uh constructive criticism anything like that then please do let us know and obviously we'll we'll talk about that if we are able to and if it's clean there is one thing um and i did float this idea and it's something that we've mentioned before that we not really do i do one with with work etc but um fancy football uh i just thought one day why don't we do our own league why don't we do the official premier league fancy football game and we get the listeners involved and it's completely free and why not set up a, a for Fox 8 podcast league and and for no reason just why not and I'll put it on Twitter out there and I think quite a lot of people got in contact or, or liked it which I presume means that they would get involved so um yeah we could we could do that we that's the aim so do stick around on Twitter and take notice I'll post it on Facebook as well if you're on Facebook then do just type in for Fox 8 podcast and it will come up give us a like give us a follow on there and again it means that you'll keep up to date with all that latest news so uh yeah hopefully we'll do a bit of um fancy football and and uh and and see how we get on obviously I'll beat you because that's just the way it works yeah and I normally forget about a quarter of the way through the season and then <laughs> and then pick it back up in sort of March time. So yes, you will beat me, but I'm happy to join the league anyway. But that's the thing, if we if we do it, if we do this league, then we can mention it on the podcast every week or when we do the pod. And it means that people will be encouraged to keep up to date with it and to to keep updating their side etc that's that's the plan anyway and 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 we'll try and maybe try and figure out some prizes or or what we can do, what we can give them, what we can get for free to give out that will be the main thing but uh, yeah we'll go that that's the plan because it's a very easy thing to do and uh, and uh, yeah i think it'd be quite good a number of other um podcasts our sister podcast they uh, they do one as well don't they so uh, yeah we will do that i think but uh, i think in terms of podcast our let our next episode after this it will be one towards the start of the season a pre-season or a season preview uh, a look at the season maybe a week or two before the season starts. That's the rough idea. I'd imagine you'd probably agree with us, Rob, on that. We're not talking about it. You know, we like to do production meetings on air, but uh, I think that's the plan. Unless there is another big signing or big development, maybe if Maguire, for instance, if he goes, for example, we'll have to do probably a you know a twenty-minute, fifteen-minute pod on looking back, or or maybe if he decides to stay and we sign some more players. Fingers crossed. That's the case. We'll do another podcast. But uh, yeah, so keep an eye out and. Uh, I think that's roughly how we're going to go about things. Is that right, Rob? Sounds good to me. Enjoy your summers.